How do I get that started? Hello, mm-hmm. beautiful people. Here we I go. I said it. She stole it. She stole it. <laughs> I said it first. Well, I'm not happy yes. With that. Well, hello there, beautiful people. I'm Michael. And I'm Colleen. And here we go again. Little of this, little of that podcast. We're going to give it a go again. Episode five. Five, yeah. Five weeks yeah. down. Still married. <laughs> We'll see how well it goes. Yeah, rough weekend. Rough weekend. Um, Yeah, today is going to be kind of um, an intense one. It's about eating disorders. Camping. 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 It's intense. I took it. I did it. She's stealing all my shit. It's not cool. cool. This is what happens when I'm around it all the time. I can't stop. I beat you to the punch. Before we, before we get started, so last night I was pulling out a jacket that I had, a jacket with no mm-hmm. sleeves. And I pulled it out and I said to my, the eldest, Saoirse, I said, Saoirse, see this? Got this jacket for just $20. $20. Great investment. But a Jacket with no sleeves. It's a vest. <laughs> it's a vest. So bad. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Moving on. All right, so like we said, um, this week's podcast is about eating disorders, one that is close to home because it is something that um, I have dealt with personally since I was the age of 14, and we'll get more into that a little bit later, but first, um, just to give you guys a little rundown of the um, statistics and facts and the types of eating eating disorders that are out there, Um, it's typically... Something that teenagers or um, young adults will present, um, you know, will end up having at that age. Um, it's not only women. It's for men, it triggers men or women. Boys. Yes. Um, but it's higher in women. It is um, a complex interaction between uh, genetics biological, behavioral, psychological, and social factors that all entwine with each other. And then we have the certain types that um, are out there. And the thing is about this, it's it's one of those, especially when you have kids, um, I think it's just in the in the climate that we have now that we're on we're on so much social media and, and there's we're just inundated with so many images all over the course of a day. That it's it's uh it's overwhelming that just because we're pressured into looking a certain way, you have to have this beach body. Um like when we were in Florida a few months back, there's this lifeguard running up and down Stop. the beach and swimming back and forth and this dude just ripped solid sun kissed, just a, a Greek god of a man. He's a Florida lifeguard in the ocean. And Colleen turns to me and he, she says <laughs> Why don't you look like that? Okay, it wasn't my finest moment. I wasn't really <laughs> thinking when I said it. Don't, don't it's not what I, It's not how I meant to say it. <laughs> she said it out loud. That's the that's the, the important thing. But I feel it, bad this if day. That was on, if that was on to, said towards somebody that had feelings, um, that, <laughs> that might have been an issue. Because there, there is that pressure to look a certain way. There's a pressure to, to be... Um, to to be the skinny or the the strong and muscular, there's always that pressure on us, um, and it's it's a self perceived pressure. It's not an actual social pressure. I don't believe. I think it's more of how we look at it as individuals. Yeah. Um, 
it is pushed on us quite a bit. So uh, it's it's very prevalent, and especially if you have kids, this is this might be something to definitely listen to, um, because it could be one of your kids that ends up having to deal with this shit. Or if you have a situation like me, and it's something that you now have children, and it's you know very um, hard for me to make sure that I'm not freaking out about things that are non-existent or, you know, just, I don't even know. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah. Do you? <laughs> I hope you do. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, go on and start with the, the first type of eating disorder. So, yeah, we, I think we all have a good idea of what the different types of eating disorders are. You have your anorexia and your bulimia, and but they, they do present different symptoms of sorts, but they do... According to now how they're categorized, they are they are classed as addictions. Um, so I can I can definitely relate to it not on the, the eating side of things, but um, yeah, it's it's classed as an addiction. So um, we'll just we'll look at anorexia first and just kind of what some of the symptoms are and how that go, how that comes about. Um, anorexia nervosa is the the actual name. Um, it's typically you eat less or not at all. Um, you have a very distorted body of view of yourself, which I feel like is um, prevalent in all of them. But um, this one is, I think, a significant amount of body distortion, um, the view of your body. And uh, there's the fear of gaining weight. And um, it's the highest mortality rate of any mental disorder. Which is pretty interesting. Yeah, and the thing, the thing that that it falls in, the reason it falls into addiction is because of the the disease concept. Like it, it is a disease. It's not just a, a choice somebody makes. Um, initially, it, yeah, it's going to be that initial choice, but then it triggers something in the brain to where it it then kicks in as a disease to where you you really don't have any control over it. People will say, well, you just need to use willpower. Well, science also says that willpower does not, um, willpower is finite. It's not infinite. So it's a, a situation where you can only use willpower to a certain extent, and then then the disease does take over. So a little, little scary, mm-hmm. but it is uh, it's just what it is. It's, yeah. it's an addiction. It's a disease. The next one is bulimia nervosa. So this is normally eaten in large amounts. Um, usually it's kind of done in secret. Um, and then it can be just like any addiction, there's a there's a lack of control. So once you have that first bite, it's almost like a like a snort of cocaine. You have that first one and it just triggers this you have this trigger that just is like, alright, keep it coming, keep it coming and it's a lot of times it'll it'll happen with um, Things high in sugar, foods high in sugar, uh, it kicks off that dopamine level in the in the brain, and and it just tells you you want more, even though you don't want more. You're you're mentally saying you don't want more. Your body is craving. It's telling you you want more, um, and then it's using diuretics and laxatives and um, and self purging. Purging. Yeah. Thanks for the help. <laughs> um, so it's it's taking on all these foods. Um, and then just getting the kick, getting the buzz, and then trying to get rid of everything that you put in out of guilt and shame and 
those sorts of things. So that's that's your bulimia side of things. <clears throat> Typically, too, with bulimia, you're able to maintain the weight, so it's yeah. a little bit more difficult to um, see the signs of bulimia. <clears throat> Whereas the anorexia, um, there people like usually people are underweight, and you can see. Yeah. For sure that um, something's going on. Whereas bulimia is, there's other signs you can see, such as like um, decay of the teeth because of the acid. Yeah. Um, you know, fingernails. Yeah, fingernails turning yellow because of the acid. And, and people yeah. a lot of times with with bulimia as well will over exercise. They'll they'll try to out exercise their shitty nutrition, which is uh, which can be detrimental, very detrimental to your health. Yeah. You cannot out eat or out. Out exercise a bad diet. Many people think that too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, last one that we're going to talk about is binge eating, which is classified as an eating disorder, um, which I thought was interesting because I really didn't know much about like that binge eating was was a uh, was an eating disorder. I only knew of anorexia and bulimia, so mm-hmm. it was it was interesting to find out that that was um, that was classified as an eating disorder. That's Which makes a lot of sense. It's a broad, it's a broad spectrum. It's yes. the same as any other addiction. Mm-hmm. There's, like, you can have your weekend warriors. People say, "Well, I only, I only drink on the weekends," but they're blacking out, crashing cars, and shit like that. But I only did it on Friday and Saturday. <laughs> I wasn't drinking every day, and I'm not sleeping under a bridge. Right. And it, it's the same with the the eating thing. It's like I only ate two pizzas on a Saturday. Like, but that, that's not normal. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. just because it's binge eating or you might only be doing it once or twice a week, it's still still very detrimental to your health. As loss of control, um, binge eaters are typically overweight. The most common eating disorder in the U.S. Um, it's done alone or in secret, typically. There's a lot of distress and shame that comes with it. And... Um, I get guilty about eating, and there's a lot of frequent dieting as well. So I ate all this, and then I'm going to try and diet, and then all these other type things. I think, yeah, a lot of it, like we talked a little bit about how it's, it's a, it can be a, a body image thing. You're, you're trying to live up to an expectation of society, but a lot of it is actually in our own head. And it's, right. a, it's for me, it's more of a, it's a malady of the, the spirit rather than, a um rather than a, a physical like or, or a, a psychological issue it's more a malady of the spirit because we're not we're not in line with ourselves we don't we don't we're not connected with our higher self right. if you will <clears throat> mm-hmm. that's it, it kind of and that that's across all all addictions really we, we just we're we're looking for something and we're looking in the wrong places we find it in there's lots of different things that um, you would develop a an eating disorder or why you would develop an eating disorder so I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story and um, what, how it has affected me and why um, I have learned that I have and had an eating disorder so it's one of those things where I don't know if I should say that I, I like I have an eating disorder, or if I had an eating disorder, because yeah, it's it's really it's it's interesting. Um, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm a bit nervous, so bear with me. I apologize. She hasn't <laughs> she hasn't told too many people about no, this situation. No, so this is like Which this is, is huge. But I'm happy to do it. Like I want to do this, and I think that it's going to be good and beneficial for people to know that you can speak about it 
and nothing like you know it's not, not you're not nothing's gonna happen yeah. <laughs> you know i know that nothing's gonna happen if problem anything shared yes. is a problem have. yes so at the age of 14 i um was a, like a binge eater i would eat and eat and eat and a lot of sweet food i have a huge sweet tooth and um would love to eat as much as I possibly could of anything that I really, really loved. But with that came a lot of shame and guilt because people will be like, oh my God, you just ate 10 donuts. And I'm not even kidding you, like 10 donuts. And I would be like, so American, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, so something's wrong with me. Like this isn't, I shouldn't be eating this much. Like I shouldn't be eating that many donuts or, you know, shoving my face full of food. And, um, I had gotten the idea to then throw it all up, purge it as you will, um, from a movie and about anorexia and bulimia, um, that was on HBO with Calista Flockhart and she was bulimic and, um, she would eat all this food. I mean, like, sit in the back of her car in a forest and, like, put whipped cream and, like, shove donuts and everything in her mouth, and then she would then purge it all. And she's, wasn't she an actual bulimic or anorexic in I don't life? know. I think everybody thought she was because she is very small, but I'm not sure. What? I'm not positive. I was trying to think of that show that she was in yeah. back in the early 2000s. Yeah, with the dancing baby. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can't think of the name either. <laughs> but yeah, the, yeah. I thought she was anorexic mm -hmm. before. I think a lot of people thought she was, yeah. but I'm not sure. Skin and bone. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Oh, fine. So, um, le legitimate question, you know? <laughs> so, I uh, would then go and purge it. And because I felt so ashamed of how much I just ate. And again, it was one of those things where I just couldn't stop. It was just so good. It was like a feeding frenzy, and I was just going. And then I'd be like, oh my God, I just ate half my body weight. And then at that time, I mean, I was only like 90 pounds. So it was like crazy. I was very skinny already. Like I was very, very thin. I had no, I had no idea about like, you know, what I wanted to look like. I did not care. And I really don't care that much to this day. Now that I say that, and I do care. <laughs> yes, I do. Cause I'm always like, oh my God, this roll, you know, but, um, and then I did not care about what I looked like or who I was like as popularity or anything like that. So, um, for the fact of my eating disorder develop, developing as like the way I wanted to look is not me. That was not what mine was. Mine was, um, more of just the, the guilt of, and the, the shame of eating that much and the people saying something to me and it's not their fault. You know, but I'm just, you know, that all triggers into my mind and like, you know, like, oh my gosh, I'm just, something's wrong with me kind of mm -hmm. thing. And then, you know, going do that to make myself feel better. It was kind of a way for me to control it as well, because then I was like, well, shit, I can eat anything I want all the time. And all I have to do is just get rid of it. Mm -hmm. And that was that. So I, I started you, that way. Just a quick question. Did you find yourself making it like for want of a better phrase, were you, did you find yourself making excuses for the way you're, of your eating pattern? Oh, of course. You, so were you saying to yourself, well, I, I exercise today, so I can eat this, this, and this. Yeah. Mine was more yourself? just that I wanted to eat it. So I was like, well, I'm going to eat it. And I just didn't realize the consequence of how I was going to feel until after I did it. 
And then, because I'm a 14-year-old girl, oh, like, I had no now? idea. What about now? Like, even in this situation now, say, say, like, it's Halloween. There's mm -hmm. always, there's going to be candy around. Yes. You have that first piece. It, is there, do you have that same thought, like, well, I like it, so I'm just going to eat it. Yes. I'm just going to eat it, no matter what. All the time. Now, All the time. Now, is that with the, the forethought of... I'm going to hate myself after doing this or I'm not going to like, I'm going to feel guilty. I'm going to feel shame after the fact, mm -mm. or is it just, I'm going to eat it now. I'm going to live in this moment to yes. eat it now and I'll pay the consequences later. You don't even worry. You know, I don't even think about the consequences no. later. It's just in that moment. And it's like, this is really good. I'm allowed to have this. It's okay. It's not a big deal. It's a piece of candy or it's a piece of cake or, you know, it's a cookie and I am allowed to do this. I am all, I'm running around all the time. I can do this. It's fine. And then, seven cookies down the road you're like mm -hmm. oh man like god damn it <laughs> I, I, you know? yes. I don't relate because i used to do the same thing with drinking right. i used to do that exact same mm -hmm. where like, i've been working all week i'm gonna mm -hmm. have a beer and it was that first beer that was just like yeah yeah and then the second one came and the third one and the fourth yeah. one and so on and so exactly forth. but it's yeah but the it's not that's the that's the thing i think a lot of people don't understand is the first one is is like your it's like it mm -hmm. brings you back to yes. level but then you want the second one more than you wanted the first yes. one and then you want the fifth one more than you wanted the second mm -hmm. one and it just keeps kind of going on from yeah. there until you get to a point where you're you're like bulging yeah yeah i overstuff myself all the time but i'm gonna get to that because that's Sorry. my no it's fine it's Tangent. my next after everything so um anyways my friends um noticed i believe or maybe a parent noticed and I may have said something as well because I wasn't full blown like it sounds like such a, a thing to say. I wasn't full blown bulimic, but I was definitely bulimic. But I was um, a fresh bulimic, I guess it would be. Um, I was just starting. I was just starting maybe like a month or two months into it, um, and I was only doing it maybe once a week. And um, I think I may have said something to my friends because they had asked me. Or I think maybe a parent had heard me. I can't really remember. But either way, um, they went. Um, thank God my friends were smart and brave enough to go and talk to our dance coach. Who then, um, you know, had a conversation with my mother. And then my mother then had a conversation with me. And I did not deny it. I said yes. And I think that was probably because it was only a short amount of time that I had been doing it. Yeah. And I think I knew it was kind of, it was wrong. And I hadn't really been that hooked on it yet. I was, you know, like weekly doing this kind of thing, you know? So, um, my mom asked me, you know, and I said, yes, it's true. And then of course she was like, you know, all upset. Of course. I mean, naturally, you know, um, and as a mother now, I can only imagine what she felt like, Oh my God, I messed up somewhere. What did I do? Or, like, what could have possibly made this girl think that she needed to do this, you know? I do remember one time she showed me um, pictures of body types. One being, like, a teeny tiny, like, stick figure. The one, and then the next one being, like, morbidly obese. And they were just, like, silhouettes. And she was like, um, there's, like, five of them. She's like, pick which one you think you look like. And like I said, I was, like, 90 pounds at this time. And I picked, I think, the, um, like, fourth of the third one. So where I should have been like one or two. Yeah. So there was definitely a little bit of a distortion on the, on the body view for myself, which is interesting because I didn't really 
I mean, I really did not think that I had, I mean, and still to this day, don't feel like I really cared about what I looked like. It wasn't mainly that on why I had an eating disorder. And so, um, either way, I'm sure my mother and my father felt ashamed of themselves or, you know, just like very upset and, um, it was probably very hard for them to even tell or talk to anybody about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know, yeah. I feel like it's a, it's a reflection on your parent. Exactly. It's like, yeah. my, my kid is. They had, yeah, I'm like, yeah. yeah. It's like they forced it on you and so Right. But, yeah. So, um, but I do know that they, they talked to my family and my family was nothing but supportive and helpful at a time that they needed it the most. And because... <laughs> My mom had told me later on that uh, family members, you know, gave them loads of research and um, places to go, like, go to the library, read these books, look this up. And internet was pretty new at this time. It's still kind of new at the time. Yeah. And, you know, go into library and look this up on the, um, mainly was books and then, you know, some research online. I know one of my cousins helped a lot. Um, and then I, one of my aunts, my Aunt Laura, actually gave me a book on self-esteem, self-worth, like who I am, you know, me, myself, and I, I think it was called, something like that. And um, so for something that I felt like was going to be, I thought everybody was going to be like, oh, my God, I thought I was going to get looks. I thought I was going to be like, you know, we're so disappointed in you. Like, how could you do this? Like, you know, all these kind of, like, weird things I thought people were going to say to me, and everybody was just really, really good about it. It was, they were, everybody was super helpful and really caring and helped me along on a on a path to recovery i think that's a that's a thing about addiction that the addicted think yeah they, they think everybody is going to be as shameful of you as you are as of yourself right in that moment because you you fully identify as that that label of unbelieving mm-hmm. and it's it's a disease and um yeah there's, there's something wrong with me right because i'm this way well at that and, time i did not I did not think that I was bulimic. No. At all. <laughs> I did no, not. And when, at the when time, you're at that age, no. yeah, but no. I'm just saying in general, that's what that's what the the addicted person mm-hmm. tends to do. There's a lot of guilt and shame. That it's it's almost like it, it's a you want to keep it in house. Yeah. You don't want other people to know right. because it's a shameful thing. Right. And it's and it's not. It's, it's not. It's a fucking disease. Exactly. There's there's nothing we can do about it. It wasn't until I had relapses that I realized that I was really bulimic mm-hmm. that I had an eating disorder um, because I went to therapy and I had the best therapist ever. I went to psychotherapy. Well, first I went to a behavioral center or um, some of, something like that. Um, and it was a specialist in eating disorders who then evaluated me to determine whether I need to be inpatient or outpatient and um, decided that I was outpatient and that um, I was, you know, pretty new at this and they knew that and that, um, they thought I could get a hold on this through psychotherapy and, you know, whatever at home, anything at home to help out. So I went to see a therapist and she was amazing and they did, um, a lot of that, uh, cognitive, was a cognitive behavioral Therapy. therapy, yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> CBT. That's it. Yeah. I just could see the, the acronym in my head, and I was like, cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And she was amazing, and um, made me realize a lot of stuff that I didn't even know that I was even thinking. Do you remember any of the stuff that you guys talked about or went over? 
Um, I remember the first time that I wore a spaghetti strap there because it was huge because I guess I hadn't really been wearing anything like that before. And she had actually said something saying, I noticed that you're wearing um, thinner straps today. I was like, oh, yeah, which I guess in her eyes and what I made me realize was that I was feeling more comfortable with myself at that time. Um, she also did a type of, I don't know if it's a hypnosis or what. It was these pulsers that she had in my hands that were hooked up to this little device that she had in her hand. And each one would pulse at a um, different time, each hand. And what it was supposed to do was trigger left and right side of my brain. Mm-hmm. And then she had me laid out on the couch. <laughs> and she was I like, I want you to recall a moment that you made you unhappy. And so I then recalled this moment that made me unhappy. And then we talked about how it played out. Mm-hmm. And then she said, now go back to the beginning and tell me how you wanted it to play out. How would you have liked it to play out? And that kind of made me realize what I was looking for mm-hmm. and really helped me realize that my, my eating disorder had developed because I felt inferior. I felt um, like I was not loved as much. You were less than. Yes, less oh, than. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Big time. I yeah. huh? I was looking for more attention, and that was a big part of my eating disorder and how that came apart was attention, um, attention seeking, um, inferior and self-worth pretty much. And I we would never thought cause I was a very outgoing, funny, like more goofy. I should say funny, goofy. Like, you know, just I was on the dance team and like I was out, like I was out there and just talking and doing stuff and you would have never known. Oh yeah. That's on the exterior. We can, yeah. we can pretend to be, people want us to be but on the inside if we're not like i said earlier it's a spiritual malady it's when we when we're not connected with who we really are yeah um we're just presenting to everybody else what we think they want us to be then that's where that's where the addiction can can really take over and it is it's a progressive thing it's one of those things that you think oh i have her i have her under under wraps um and then like you said you had a relapse and Cause it's always there it's always lingering mm-hmm. it's uh as as a i've heard before it's it's out in the parking lot doing push-ups just waiting yeah just waiting <laughs> to get in the game oh uh, yeah it's, that's a good one yeah mm-hmm. it's scary it wasn't until um a couple years later after i'd been through therapy and actually stopped and you know we felt like we had a hold on this that um ended up um being in like a a really rough patch um, and I felt like I was needing that attention again and really was uh, feeling down about myself and, um, again, self-worth. Didn't feel like I was I was in a relationship that wasn't very healthy and was really hard on me to um, think that I was good enough for this person or that I was supposed to be something better kind of thing. And um, so it really, really messed with me big time and I ended up relapsing and actually told my mom though and was like I want to go talk to somebody I want to go see somebody and then she was like okay and so and that doesn't always happen so I was lucky that I kind of recognized it and I was like okay something's not right why am I doing you know like I want to and I really liked my therapist that's the thing I mean like she was a really (laughs) good therapist (laughs) she was a really I mean I felt really really comfortable with her and I can't say enough good things about 
therapy. I mean, it's sometimes a parent isn't going to be the one you can talk to. Sometimes it's not a friend. Sometimes it just needs to be somebody else, you know, and it's, and that when was. When it's a professional it's, and they know what they're doing. Yeah, yes. Yes. Us as parents just right. thinking we know what we're doing and guessing yeah. at it. Yeah. Therapy's mm-hmm. definitely a, they're there for a reason. Right. That's why they make the big books. Right. Um, I also relapsed again uh, a couple years even after that because um, another, you know, like an, another situation happening where I uh, I felt like I needed more attention and um, felt... I don't, I don't know. It was, it was really interesting. I can't really tell you the situation that happened, but, um, and the feelings that kind of came along with it was like jealousy and, and, um, I felt bad about myself at the same time for feeling jealousy and then kind of triggered all those emotions again, which then made me, but then I stopped myself. I was able to like do it on myself, on my own. I actually was like, I was given the tools from therapy and, you know, writing, like, you know, figuring out my own, my own, you know, situations and why I was thinking these things or what, what was making these things trigger. Just the awareness yes. Of it. Yep. And I was able to then, you know, and then help that person that needed help. Yep. So it was, uh, it was interesting for sure. The other thing that I thought was really crazy about it all is how it, it manifested into other things. So not always was I, you know, purging, you know, binging and purging. But then it was just overeating and it was, you know, like, um, a very obsessive behavior, which I still have. And, um, and I still binge eat, you know, so it's just, I'm not purging, you know, it's more of a, a a thing where you still have the, the whole feeding frenzy type thing. And then you're just like, oh my God, you feel shamed and you feel guilty for doing it. And then you're like, why do I do this to myself? And then you feel so, so big. And I do have those thoughts in my head, but like, I could easily throw this up right now. I mean, it would be so easy. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it all the time. I'm like, how easy would it be just to just, just get it out? And, but the thing is that I saw myself. Yeah. And now it's That's just, That's the one thing you've yeah. been always good at has been remaining aware of, of yourself. Yeah. Which is And I probably wouldn't have been that aware of myself unless I had gone through what I did. And what, gone to therapy, yeah. I think. For sure. Because a lot of times when we, when we do think we're not aware of our, of our thinking, and it's our, it's our ego then that's that's kind of taken over. Our ego is in control. And when the ego is in control, then we we will a lot of the times follow what what the what our mind is telling yeah. us, what our ego is telling us, and that's what gets us in trouble. Yeah. Luckily. So, yeah, that awareness is <laughs> um, It's huge. still working on the self-control, though. And, you know, like it's, I have, I have lack of self-control when it comes to food. Um, I get obsessive. Um, not just about food, but then also like, well, yeah, not just food, but it mainly is food. <laughs> I love sweet food and I have a really hard time telling myself no. And I still, um, secretly eat. I still, um, you know, have all those feelings of guilt and shame, but, um, I just have to bring myself back and realize that, you know, the world's not going to fall apart. It's okay. You can restart and, so it's all, it's still, it's still a work in progress. She because, put yeah. her fingers scattered all over the house, <laughs> hidden in the toilet. Stop. I do not. the cabinets. <laughs> when I say Someone I... taped to the underside of the dog the other day. <laughs> when I say I secretly eat, it's, uh, it's mainly from the kids. 
<laughs> I don't want them to see in case they want to share. No, it's not. It's, it, that is part of it, though, yes, for sure. Like, I don't want them to ask me for this. But it's like, I also get um, very um, possessive over it. Like, that's my, don't eat that, that's mine. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, don't eat my chocolate. Don't touch my stuff. Like, or I don't want to see anybody eating me seeing seeing me eat this because I want this for myself mm-hmm. and or um, it's just that I know that I shouldn't be eating it but I want to eat it and I don't want anybody else to see me because then I'm gonna feel ashamed I did it the other day with gooey butter cake Oof. I go in there and I take a slice and I'm like don't let anybody see you mm-hmm. because then you're gonna be like what are you doing and I, and I guarantee no one would be like what are you doing how why are you eating that you can't eat that like no one would say that to me you know it, it's just for some reason you think it though all the mm-hmm. time and then everybody's probably wondering, what the hell is she doing with a personal trainer? Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't a personal trainer I when I first met him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny, though. And it's interesting. But he has no effect on this at all. If anything, I'm always asking him to tell me what he thinks I look like or, you know, what do you think about the situation or whatever. And um, he won't ever, won't ever give me anything. Impartial. <laughs> remain impartial yeah it's not about what i think that's and it comes back to that just trying to find who we are as people mm-hmm. like uh, like not just the not what we do or how we do it or why we do it but at the center of our being who are we what and how how can we get in touch with that and i think that's the that's the key to our spiritual maladies it's the and, and how we can conquer our addictions because I think in some form or another, a lot of people have, have this issue where it might not be as extreme as not eating at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, but I know there are a lot of people in the industry that mm-hmm. I'm in, um, there are a lot of people that will go 12, 15 hours of the day without eating. And it'll be a situation where I was like, well, I was just so busy. I didn't get to eat. Um, like, and that, that's, that is a, a form of starving yourself and it, it's you're not conscious you're not conscious of it and that's part of what causes the addiction you're not you're not aware of your situation you're not aware of your thoughts you're not aware of what you you should be doing um and then on the other end people will will go the other way and they'll say well i worked out four times this week i'm gonna i'm gonna have a cheat day um and that will be a whole day of eating nothing but shit mm-hmm. and it's it's just it's a that's me. that a lot of people deal with and it's a uh, people just because it's a label of anorexia or bulimia or binge eating people think it's shameful and but these are just this is just things that we deal with and what we're trying to do is bring it to light to a point where you can start to understand that a little bit more and realize that it's not something to be ashamed of and something to feel guilty about. It's who's going to be like, how dare you eat yeah. all those cookies? And if somebody <laughs> did, then you tell them to yeah, right. fuck off. <laughs> oh, somebody's going to come knock on my door and take me away because I ate too much or I, yeah. I, I didn't eat enough or I threw something up. <laughs> but at the end of it, it, does, it, just, it comes back to um, finding out what's... What, what is the underlying issue? Why, why is that happening in the first place? And you, you can't know where you're going until you know where you are. And, and then understanding why 
you are where you are is is the most important part for me mm-hmm. is to, to understand what caused the malady in the first place in order to to take those steps forward to be better and to to be more spiritually yeah. centered i'm close to 20 years now from when my eating disorder started to where i am now and i've definitely learned a lot yeah and figured out a lot about myself and who I am, for sure. Um, but it is still a struggle. It is still a daily struggle, just like any addiction, just like anything else that you know would be um, mental disorder or an eating disorder or any you know anything. So it's uh, it's definitely something that you you know you can get a hold of and you can talk about and you get help for. But it will still be a struggle. It's always going to be a struggle. I have to I have to commend you for actually making this a topic to talk about because it, it's there's too many of us that live this this we have our our true self this part of us that is that we know about it's like your your in-house secrets and then we have this other public part that we we don't talk about we don't tell people about this is just our this is what we want people to believe we are so oh, i'm the personal trainer's wife so i'm gonna in public, this is what I'll be, and but in house, this is what I am. So one is kind of a little bit dishonest. One is honest, but it's when we can start getting closer towards the middle, to where it's both of these mesh together. And I feel like that's that's what we're doing here. Is we're Absolutely. we're we're taking this public persona of what we want people to believe we are and who we really are. We're bringing them together, and we're making people realize that that yeah. that's. That's how you become spiritually centered. You're bringing both parts of your life together and, and living it. Mm-hmm. That's that's a big part of how we, we get past these addictions, um, whether it's an eating disorder or whatever else it might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've actually had like those kind of thoughts. Like, you know, I'm a personal trainer's wife. I cannot be overweight. There's no way. Like, this is bad for business. This is bad for, you know, the look and everything. And how many times I've had to shut myself down because of that. <clears throat> I mean, cause I'm, I know I've voiced it to you before and, you know, saying like, you know, I feel like I'm this personal trainer's wife, so I have to be a certain way. And that's not like, you don't have to be anything you don't want to be, you know, like, and you don't have to be this, this, you know, figure, you don't need to be out there looking or thinking that, you know, ever, everybody needs to know that you're this type. <laughs> I'm a sparkling water or sprinkling, <laughs> sprinkling water as the kids call it. As our four-year-old call it. So yeah, it's um still still learning, still growing. Um, I need to commend and uh, appreciate the um, the stories that I have gotten from other people, um, emails and text messages, and um, allowing them to um, tell tell me the story of their their eating disorder and their issues, and um, being okay with me um, sharing some of those um, for obvious reasons, keeping everyone confidential, even if they told me that they don't mind me saying their name, it's just better because it's not about who they are. It's about their journey. So that's, um, kind of what, um, the first one was, um, a girl and she told me she, hers started about 20 years old and, um, it was the same kind of thing. It was feeling ashamed. Um, she was in pretty rough patch, um, in a relationship and she felt ashamed and she, um, didn't know how to talk about it and, and she still to this day even when she 
said she was like, I don't think I have an issue talking about it. It's just that I still have those feelings of being ashamed of that I did it um, and that it's still a struggle and that um, I really don't know how to talk about it to people. And she had said, you know, thank you for bringing this up that you're talking about it and everything because not a lot of people do. Um, but Taboo. yeah, she didn't feel worthy in this relationship. Um, and then she became real obsessive about the way she looked to help her be the person she thought she was supposed to be and became obsessive about exercising and her eating habits. Um, and then it, luckily again, it was friends who were brave enough to come out and uh, say something to her family that allowed, allowed her to, um, get out of that relationship and get help because, um, it was pretty, it was pretty bad. There was a, it was a scare. She said it was a scare that it, she was almost inpatient, but luckily they were allowed, allowed her to stay at her mom's house and, um, get better there. And obviously she went to, uh, um, a psychologist and she was put on meds and what she finds, um, for herself was very helpful and really helped her get, you know, back going again, um, and the right way for her in her life. Um, but has always been a struggle and a lot of it has to do with stress. Um, it's something that you feel you don't have control over, but if you have this that you can control over, um, then that is, you know, makes you feel, yeah. makes you feel better. More yes. Yep. yep. And it also for her has manifested, um, into other things and, um, gives her that sense of control, um, when, you know, eating and all that. So now she says that she just watches herself and, um, she watches the trigger foods and, um, but then she kind of relapsed from doing a little too much of that. So then she just tries to live an unrestricted lifestyle. So she still watches out for those trigger foods, but not as much. She just knows. So it's like in high, you know, like in the back of her mind, but she's able to live her life the way she wants because I mean, it is, it's hard when you are obsessed with food to not be obsessive mm -hmm. and to not think about it. So that's, um, her, her goal is to just be unrestricted and really, you know, just watch out for those triggers mm -hmm. here and there instead of being a little bit more, um, watchful of herself because it was a little too much into that watching what she was eating and all that, that she relapsed and then was able to bring it back again. So it's just, a, it's a learning. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a learning process for sure on, um, how to eat the right way and, and think the right things, I think better, mm -hmm. I should say, for sure. So that was, um, thank you to her uh, for sharing that story. Um, another one is, um, I'm just going to read it because um, it's not that long. Um, I guess the biggest thing is, for me, was control. Seems to be a common Thing. I was at a point where I felt like so many things in life were out of control and that the eating disorder seemed like the one thing I could control. It wasn't about how I looked, but more about feeling a sense of accomplishment when I lost weight or controlled my weight. I hated the way I looked when I was thin and did not like people commenting, commenting on the way I looked. Even when I was getting better and had gained weight, I didn't want people commenting on my appearance. When recovering, the thing that helped was accepting and loving myself. My happiness has always depended on what people thought of me or if they, they were mad at me. I can't control what people think of me. So again, the eating disorder was a way for me to feel a sense of control and being content with who I am and giving up that control was what was healing. So thank you very much 
to that young lady for telling us her story as well. There's so uh, much in there that I, that I relate to. to where you, yeah. You, you're so... Just... You're so in your own head about what other people think of you. And at the end of the day, what other people think of us is their business. What we think of ourselves is, is more important. Um, and that, and to realize to, that we only have control over a couple of things in our life. And to accept that and to, to realize we, don't, we can only really control our, our thinking and even that's limited and we can only control our, our actions. So it's, I think that the acceptance of knowing those two things and surrendering to the fact that I can't control what other people say or think or do. I can't control what, what the world around me is doing. I can only control what's going on here. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a huge part of, yeah. of happiness in general. People are so hung up on what other people think about them and what other people are doing that they forget what's going on with themselves. That's a, that's a, that's a big part of unhappiness in general. Yeah. Um, another story that was given to us uh, relating to the topic um, was this, this particular lady. She was um, feeling very nauseous and vomiting and losing a lot of uh, weight. Um, and she was having these, um, these issues un- like without really any reason why she couldn't figure out no again. Diagnosis. So, um, but she thinks that was, and she was definitely due to stress. Um, so she wouldn't be hungry, which led to her stomach shrinking and getting sick. And, uh, and every time she would try to eat, she would get sick. And she, she was like five foot tall and 80 pounds very quickly after ending up like that and um, would use marijuana to help with her eating. And when she um, got off marijuana, then it was a lot harder for her because she couldn't force herself to eat at that time because that was her help. That was her crutch. Um, she had multiple gastrointestinal tests um, performed and they could never find a cause. And she was admitted to the hospital for a week um, because they were um, monitoring her um, constant cardiac monitoring due to risk for heart attack caused by losing all her fat and then muscle so quickly. She um, says it was psychological um, and therapy um, would have helped her for sure. And however, they never brought psychology up. So she thinks that therapy would have helped for sure. Um, I changed a lot of things in my life, stress-inducing things, and I got better. Now, whenever I get really stressed, I still have to acknowledge that I'm eating less, warn my husband, and we make sure to address it and make sure I eat before it becomes a problem. So something that she is still dealing with regularly. Um, But I also thank her very much for sending us her story as well, because that is, um, it's huge. It's very hard. Um, All, um, most of these ladies have, have expressed to me that it was very hard for them to um, think of some, like think of their story and bring it up or to say it because it does bring back a lot of guilt and shame and you just don't know how to, how to, um, how to word it. And I don't know if you can tell, but it's, it's hard for me to find the right words as well. <laughs> to like, you know, say what, what exactly it is. Um, because it's, again, it's one of those things. It's like taboo. You know, you, you don't want to talk about it because it's not something you're supposed to talk about or, you know, like, Oh, you're so happy. You don't need to be talking about this you know, yeah. kind of thing. Don't so, be burdening me with your exactly. depressing shit. So, 
um, again, thank you very much to those ladies for um, sharing their stories. We truly appreciate it. And uh -oh. <laughs> we thank you. So, yeah. yeah it's uh, in regard to people that may have the issue and don't know where to turn for help, how would they go about that? Like, is there, are there programs out there, say, if somebody can't afford to go to a psychologist that can't afford or doesn't, doesn't want that shame on top of shame, mm -hmm. going to talk to somebody about it, how else can they go about it? Uh, I think that, <clears throat> I mean, I'm hoping that me expressing, you know, this whole story, um, will allow other people to realize that you can talk about it and, um, even though you may feel ashamed, there is no shame in it. Um, and it, there are 12 step programs out there for, for people that suffer with this issue and that can help with recovery. Like there's Overeaters Anonymous and, um, Bulimics Anonymous and stuff like that. So there are, um, there are programs out there that, that can help, um, kind of help you one figure out what the issue is and where it came from and then to kind of guide you on a spiritual path to to make sure you you stay in recovery and you don't fall back into the, the pits of yeah misery because mm -hmm. it's uh yeah it's not a, it's not a fun and yeah. happy thing no. to be in no and to talk about it is not you know I, like i said i'm happy that i had a therapist to talk to about it and to help out and i'm glad that uh, friends and family were supportive and helped with everything um, with my family and for me. So I think that um, having a good support system, um, one of the ladies also had said that, you know, making sure she's around people that have a positive impact on her and her life, um, you know, that really help her, you know, stay the course as well and making sure that you're, um, you know, you you're you feel worthy. You know, like it, it's okay. You know. Yeah, being around positive people is is important. I yeah. just heard a, a great quote the other day um, about surrounding yourself with the the right type of people, and it was something along these lines to where it said, um, "If you were to recommend this person as a friend, would you recommend them to your sister or your brother?" And if the answer is no, then why are you friends with them? Like, oh, that's good. That's a good one. I like that. That's really good. Yeah. So taking care of yourself um, like you're responsible for somebody else. Like if you're responsible for one of your kids, um, take the way you take care of them, that's an issue that we all have. We take care of other people better than we take care of ourselves. And that's, I think it's something that we need to get better at is to start taking care of ourselves like we do when we're responsible for somebody else. Um, only, it's very hard to, it yeah. is, it's very hard to do for we, sure. Cause we, we tend to, we just, we don't love ourselves as much as we, <clears throat> we put out. Mm -hmm. We don't give ourselves enough, but we're always putting out, putting out, putting out, but never really putting anything in. And it's, uh, it's hard. Yeah. Cause if you're, if you're looking to put out positive vibes and you're looking to put out love and you don't have a lot, an awful lot inside, then other things come out. Yeah. It's like if you squeeze an orange, you're only going to get orange juice. Mm -hmm. You're not going to get apple juice out of an orange. Mm -hmm. 
But you have to you have yeah. to make sure you give yourself plenty of self love and you give yourself that I think spiritual connection in order to make sure you can yes, get it out. Self care is huge, which um, I learned, you know, in massage school, um, because I was like probably at my happiest when I was um, meditating um, at least what was that four times a week? Mm-hmm. At least four times a week meditating, stretching, um, and getting a massage. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, what, I mean, what were yeah. some of the other things they used to do regard the, like the the Reiki type stuff and the energy, um, like, um, product healing, what energy the, what cleansing. Was the stuff they used to they give cutting big, ties, like, cutting, ties, cutting yeah. cords. Sorry, cutting cords. Yeah. Right. So it's um it's it's a way of uh, releasing yourself from negative and negative people in your life or negative things in your life. Negative circumstances by gathering these this cord. It's almost like you're connected to this person still because you've never cut that, and um, it's a really it's a really great way to like visually see you know that you are cutting this thing off you yeah. know so if you had a bad relationship or if you had you know like a a bad encounter with somebody even that day you're able to gather that all up and say okay all of that I gather it all up and I am cutting it and that is it and I no longer have a hold on you. Then you guys did EFT as well, the emotional freedom technique. Yes, so we did tapping. tapping, Yeah, a lot of tapping. um, You know, tapping the breastbones and the chest here, under your armpits. So there there are so many different ways to help you relieve stress other than going straight to binge eating or to to whatever your your vice might be. Um, Doing what makes you happy as well. But yeah, yeah, yes. absolutely. Because that's huge make, for me. Making time to yes. do things that make you happy, and not not just in that moment, but just joyous more so than happy, to where it's yeah. internal instead of external. When I plan, like I I know when I need to, like I need a moment, like I need to get away, mm-hmm. and I say, like I need to get out. Let's get in the RV. We need to go somewhere, and obviously we can't do it in that moment because that's you know when I'm feeling most overwhelmed. So, but me planning that upcoming weekend or that upcoming month, me planning that makes me feel so much better already and cutting off technology and just the outside world, you know, just being like, it is just me and my family and we are in nature and I love it. I mean, mm-hmm. I honestly, I mean, I, yes. nature is a great I am barefoot a lot well. because I believe that touching the earth is like huge, yeah. <laughs> like an energy that comes from it. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, there are all those different techniques of, of de-stressing, those perception of stress that we have. There, there are positive ways to deal with it, and if if you you need any help with those, let us know. Mm-hmm. But there are so many different ways of doing it out there that are positive for you, and you, if you can build them into your daily program, build them into your daily life, um, just force yourself to take five minutes every day. And, and start with just a small amount of time, even two minutes, three minutes of meditation. It could be journaling. Um, yeah. It could be crafting. It could be anything that makes you... Anything that forces yes. you to be mindful. Yes. And, and be in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, it will benefit you in the long run. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Thanks, guys, so much for listening and joining us for tonight. Um, we hope that you guys um, have a little bit of enlightenment um, about a situation that is a little bit... Um, squeamish to talk about sensitive yes and um, hopefully it can help others that might be struggling 
with it as well. And we are always here to um, take emails at lotlotpod at gmail.com. Um, if you need to talk we can or need help finding somebody to help you in a situation you might have, um, such as this one, or to share your story, or to send us any comments or questions, you can reach us that way. Or, or tell us we're full of shit. Yeah. <laughs> just, just write to us. We're lonely. <laughs> and then um, we also have the voice message um, that is on the Anchor app that you can actually leave us a voice message. There you go. Mm-hmm. That way, too. So what are we doing next week? Next week, oh, I forgot already. Um, is it the on and off, the workout train? Yes. Jumping on and off the work off tra- workout train. Yeah. Because I do that, too. <laughs> I think we all do it at one stage or another. But yes. yeah, that, that, is, uh, that would be somewhat of my expertise. Um, yeah, why we jump on and off the expert train. So we'll, we'll have, or we will have mm-hmm. 10 different things that are t- our top 10 on why people jump on and off the workout train and how we can fix that, hopefully. Or help you. Or help you in some way, shape, or form. Yes. Strive for progress, not, not perfection. perfection. Ooh, that could oh, be a tagline! Yeah. Yes. Sweet. <laughs> Love it. All right. <laughs> Thanks again, All guys. Five episodes. Yes. All Next right. week, 7 p.m. right here in Becky the RV, uh, live on Facebook. <laughs> no, wait. You should do this. Look. Oh, look. Oh, I can't fun. get it. Useless. Yeah. So, thanks again. Blow out. We're wasting our time now. <laughs> Peace Bye, guys. Woo!